For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I am your host, Trey Smith. And boy, we have just a flurry of reports coming in the Group of Five world of college football. <clears throat> I say Group of Five. I'm also including the Pac-2. They're not a Group of Five, but involving the Mountain West Conference in the Pac-2. We've got some news with JMU that's coming out, and we're going to talk about all of it right here on this episode. I've got a lot of questions that I want to present, and hopefully we can get some discussion going down in the comments. Most of my questions are pertaining to the um, conflicting reports that we have between uh, whatever is or isn't going on with the Pac-2 and the Mountain West. And then, of course, we've got the JMU case. But before we get into this, if you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment at the end, share it with a friend. And if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, um, um, what, what is it that I say? <laughs> Sorry. If you're listening on a streaming platform, oh, give it a five-star rating and please leave a positive review um, obviously I'm not doing a full episode tomorrow for Friday. However, I plan on announcing what I alluded to or kind of what I teased earlier in the week. I have officially signed a contract with a podcasting network. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I don't know how I'm going to release it yet. I don't know if I'm gonna do a short or whatever, but, uh, I I'm gonna, my plan is to officially announce this tomorrow and um, go from there. I've got some, still some follow-up kind of onboarding type meetings uh, early next week before it's like, before the show is officially, you know, plugged into this platform. But good news is nothing's changing. If you watch on YouTube, you, nothing changes for you. Even if you listen on one of the streaming platforms, nothing changes for you. That's the great news. The, 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 what, what, what I believe uh, will help take this to the next level is that it's, it's going to now be a part of a network with a much larger reach and a much larger platform of influence that hopefully plugging this show into it can help expand the reach of the College Underdogs podcast. And um, yeah. All right, let's get to today's news. So JMU, they were denied officially by the NCAA. Like their, their request for a waiver was officially denied. And then earlier this morning, Pete Thamel put out a report that the attorney general, who we talked about on this show, like I feel like we were talking about it right here before it's, it's gotten to the level of ESPN as far as the eternal, eternal attorney general lobbying for JMU. Well, the report this morning was that he was looking into filing a lawsuit or I'm sorry, he was reviewing legal options against the NCAA. Here's my question on this. Okay. One, I wasn't surprised that JMU was denied. I was hopeful 
that they would get the waiver because I do think they're in the midst of a very special season. But I also understand both, both sides of, of that coin. So I wasn't surprised. What I'm not understanding is what grounds does this attorney general have to stand on in court when like this was a, a signed agreement? Like, it's not like the NCAA just came out of nowhere and said, nah, we're going we're gonna to make you wait another year. No, no, this was what was agreed to in the process. Now, what I, un- what I would have understood, what I thought was the best case JMU had, and I talked about it on this show, was, okay, we've, we've outperformed this transition window. Obviously, we're showing that we can compete already. I think last week or the week before I talked about there were certain criteria that they have to meet over the course of the two years. And according to the AD, they met all that criteria in the first year. So my thought was, okay, you take both of those, put them together, and that might be a case to, not, not a court case, but like a case you're making to convince the NCAA to approve a waiver saying, hey, we've come in, here's what we've done. We've done everything we're supposed to do ahead of schedule. We're competing at the best of the, you know, at the highest level already. You know, we don't need two years in order to get acclimated. Obviously, we only needed one. Can we get a waiver for this year as we are on the cusp of a very special season? I thought you might could make a case there to convince the NCAA to go, all right, let's give them the waiver. But no way does that argument obligate the NCAA to grant a waiver because of the signed agreement that's already in place. So I'm going to try to follow this a little bit closely as it develops. Um, Part of me thinks it's more of a scare tactic. Like, let's, let's see if we can sue the NCAA, create a headache for them. Like, maybe we can create a bigger, like, legal headache for them then whatever headache could come from approving a waiver, if that makes sense. Like that's kind of what it feels. I don't know that though there's actually going to be grounds to stand on in court given that this transition window is not anything new. And the NCAA is going to be able to show a, a, a history of forcing teams to do the same thing, right? It's not like this is something they just, ha, gotcha. No, it was already in place. It's a it's a system that has 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 been a a, a protocol for other schools that have made the leap from FCS to FBS. If you're a JMU fan watching, like, I'm sorry. I mean, I get it. Like, you're on the cusp of what could be a special season, what could be a New Year's Six Bowl-esque season, and now, like, you're not even going to get a chance to play for your conference championship. It sucks. I get it. Um, But now with the lawsuit and all that, now I'm sitting here kind of going, I just don't know if there's any grounds to stand on. Um, but you know what? After this year, it's it's a non-issue, right? Just continue to build on this. Continue to do what you're doing. And, you know, I think JMU, I, I don't feel like this is just some flash in the pan season. So anyways, so that's kind of my two cents on JMU. But let me know your thoughts. Those of you that have, if you've seen that from Pete Thamel about the the, the, the lawsuit that's being filed, Am I missing something here? Like, is there a ground for them to stand on legally 
Because if there are, I would love for your input down in the comments because I'm not aware of that. All right, moving on. I want to look at two reports that came out this morning. One from Ross Dellinger and one from Angie Machado. Forgive me if, if, if I've misspelled Machado. I believe it's Angie Machado, who's with the Beaver Blitz. So she's a beat writer for Oregon State. And then, of course, Ross Dellinger. He's a national writer for Yahoo Sports. <sighs> two conflicting reports. So I'm not going to read the whole spiel from each of them, but I'm going to give you just a quick piece from each one. So Ross Dellinger in his basically is saying that the Mountain West and the Pac-2 are nearing a scheduling partnership with the Mountain West. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when this first kind of came to the surface and talked about what that could look like. This isn't the relegation stuff. This is just a, a partnership agreement, a scheduling partnership agreement. Dallinger says the agreement ex expected to include a lucrative financial package for Mountain West members is likely to feature a long-term commitment to the conference with an intent at a full merger beyond this two-year cycle. Now, here's the kicker to me. This is the most important part of this article, in my opinion. Part of the agreement includes a financial penalty that can be levied upon Oregon State and Washington State if the two programs attempt to acquire only a portion of Mountain West schools in the future. So basically, what that is saying, and if you remember, we talked about this, is, is, is the Mountain West, if they're going to enter into some sort of arrangement with the Pac-2, they better have some protection from getting poached. And that's essentially what that little line there is saying is that there's going to be a financial penalty if Oregon State, Washington State look to poach select members from the Mountain West. Now, what I wonder is how do the top tier Mountain West teams feel about that? Right? What if they want to be poached? Very interesting. Anyways, and then the Beaver Blitz, Angie Machado said... In her article, while media reports are circulating this morning that the Beavers and Cougars are looking, <laughs> sorry, looking at a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West Conference, sources have told Beaver Blitz that an alliance is not the preferred plan going forward. Okay, so there's your contradiction. So sources are telling the Beaver Blitz that an alliance between the two is not the preferred plan going forward. Now, it doesn't necessarily say it's not a plan. It's just not the preferred plan. There is, going, there is a lot of outside noise right now with many parties posturing for the future. So I think what we can take from this is what Dellinger's reporting, I think, is very much on the table. But I think what this reporter, what Machado is re, re, uh, uh, reporting is saying, yeah, 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 but that's not their first option. Like, oh, 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 so whoever's feeding Machado likely is from the pack and whoever's feeding Dellinger is likely from the Mountain West. And these pack two sources are like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that, that is not what we're, what, what, our, what our number one option is. And I think we all know what the number one option is. In the event they don't get a, a power invite, 
okay, the number one option is to rebuild the conference utilizing all the assets with teams that they choose, teams of their choosing. Um, and then, of course, I guess from there, looking at, looking at the merger. I mean, I think what's been made clear in this entire process from the PAC two is that they just, they aren't interested in the bottom tier. Whoever they consider the bottom tier of the Mountain West, they're not interested in being in a conference with them. But so, so, so that's kind of where we're at right now. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. Like, where are you at on this? What are your thoughts? Um, here's the thing though, right? Because then you think about like the American conference. Oh, oh, if the pack starts to rebuild, does the American conference need to go on the defense from getting poached? And I, I just, I think right now, it's difficult for me to see a scenario where it makes sense for an AAC team to join a rebuilt pack right now, right? Because there's some key things that we're missing. What are the three reasons you change conferences? Revenue, exposure, and access. You want playoff access, you want linear exposure, and you want money. Are we so sure with what we know right now that an American conference team jumping ship to a rebuilt pack satisfies that criteria? Especially when you factor in like these travel expenses. So who are the teams that don't mainly get thrown into the, the conversation when this rolls around? <clears throat> you hear Tulane, you hear South Florida, and mainly why do you hear those? Because of the AAU designation. You hear Memphis. Those, those are really the main ones. I know for a while there, Rice was also thrown in there because of their AAU designation, but I don't really know that that's as big of a, I don't know that that's as big of a priority with Oregon State and Washington State as it was earlier this summer when you also had Stanford and Cal in the mix, who it was, you know, a, a, a sort of probably a deal breaker or, or a, a, a significant item for them. So I'm just not seeing it though, because there's no media deal in place. Like, I think we're kind of like forgetting that a little bit. There's still not a media agreement in place. Whatever the pack decides to do, the Mountain West media deal is up here in a couple of years. So it's like this weird tipping point because if the pack raids the mountain West, that could destroy that conference because if the top tier of the mountain West go to the pack two, whatever's remaining of the mountain West, what, what type of media agreement are they going to get? Then on the flip side, I think about this. What if they do merge? What if it is a full on merger of the entire mountain West in both pack two schools? I have some questions on that. The first one being, do you retain your auto five status? And really at this point, in my opinion, what really makes the auto five status mean something now, or, or, or what will answer that question, I should say, is if the playoff model stays at six, six, or if it moves to five, seven, regardless of all the logistics around what the autonomy five means and autonomous status means bottom line is, is if. The Mountain West and the Pac-12 merge and the CFP goes to 5-7. I think that answers your question. Now, if it stays at 6-6, which I, I would, I mean, I'm obviously going to be an advocate for. 
um, you know, maybe that, maybe that holds some weight. But then from there, like, like just thinking practically here, all right, you have the Pac-2 and the Mountain West merging. How much more valuable is the lineup of teams in the Mountain West when you add Oregon State and Washington State? And I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying this to, to be like, first off, if you've been watching me since all this came about, like early in the summer, you know, I've been a strong advocate for Oregon State, Washington State. So I'm not saying this to, to like disregard or disrespect. I'm just saying like from a, from a media deal standpoint, you know, how much does that really move the needle? Does it move the needle? Yeah, absolutely. But like, does it take you from a three, $4 million a year payout to a $20, $30 million a year payout? No, right? So it's like, okay, or, or, or does it take you to where you, you get a deal that's more comparable to what the American Conference has right now? with their billion dollar deal that's not up for another seven, eight years. And according to Mike Oresco, back at Basketball Media Days, he was not concerned about that deal being impacted in a negative way given the, the exit of the teams that have already left plus SMU. Um, and this was before the Army situation was made official. So I'm just, I'm just trying to think about this logically here, right? Like if you're an American Conference team does that really make sense? Because likely, if I'm looking at it, I would think the Pac-2 is probably going to build, they're probably going to build with six, six to eight maybe Mountain West teams. I mean, the only way I could think of it to really make sense is if they were able to build out an entire Southeastern like wing of teams, pod of teams. And even then, I'm still not so sure it's going to be able to command this big payday. So my next question then is, will a merged Mountain West and Pac-2 conference have a better shot at that playoff spot than the American conference? Okay, think about this for a second. And, and somebody, oh, it was the Utah State. I'm, I can't think of the name, but it's... it's uh, uh, I don't remember the name, but the, the, their picture, their profile picture is a Utah State graphic. And, and they comment time to time here on the channel, which I, I appreciate. And, and typically brings them out in West perspective, which is totally welcome here. And pretty much usually when this, I, I don't know if it's a he or she, but normally when they comment, it's um, uh, uh, very sound and reasonable. And one of the things that they just put in the comments a couple of days ago was the downside to the Mountain West is because it's got good teams top to bottom, they beat each other up all throughout the season. So then it creates a, a more of a pathway for the American Athletic Conference to get that playoff bid. Or I guess right now, the New Year Six bid. I mean, technically this year is supposed to be like a rebuilding year, down year for the conference, the AAC. But right now, the AAC has a team that's in the driver's seat to get that New Year's Six bid, which next year would be a playoff bid. So what I'm saying, you throw Oregon State and Washington State into that litter of teams in the Mountain West. First off, you got to look at how that might impact from a transfer portal standpoint, right? Is it going to be the same caliber Oregon State team 
that's in the Pac-12 in the Mountain West, of course their facilities aren't going anywhere, right? So, I mean, that's at least from an Oregon State standpoint. So I'm like, okay, does, does that conference become like the sure shot conference that's going to put the playoff bid out there? I'm not so sure. I think part of what, what, what has given the American conference the advantage with that over the years is the fact that, you know, like there's parity, but it's, 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 there's always two or three teams that separate from the pack as the season plays out. You know, think about when it was, it was, you know, a couple years there was UCF, then, then it was Cincy, and then it was Memphis had their year at Norvell's last year. You know, now you have Tulane, right? I really felt like SMU was getting ready to step into that spot to be one of those teams, and they're, they're proving it right now, but they're getting ready to leave. And so we'll see a team like UTSA, if any of the other newcomers or if any other existing teams start to get their stuff together. Point being is it's like, I'm still not so sure that you have a better shot at access by joining a rebuilt pack. And it really depends on what they do with the playoff model, honestly. And then, um, you know, I talked about what type of media deal would that conference command? Would it be full streaming? And so that's another thing you got to consider right now with the American conference. I mean, you have a good chunk of streaming, but it's at least on an app that most people have. And then you also have a good chunk of linear coverage. And then I guess my last question is before I wrap up is, is, you know, I look at these conflicting reports. The Mountain West wants to enter into this partnership agreement that evolves into a full blown merger. The PAC two is not ready to commit to something like that. Yeah. They know they need to figure out the scheduling for at least the next two years, but they ain't trying to make a long-term commitment to this top to bottom conference. It's more about, yeah, we need help scheduling, but we want to be able to take who we want especially with control of these assets. And so uh, my, my, my question is like, could we possibly see this relegation model come to life? And there's been several of you that watch and listen to this show who have sent me some pretty detailed like documentations and, and really presentations that you've created on the relegation model in I mean, I don't think today's necessarily a discussion to dive into all of it, but are we moving in that direction possibly? So look, that's my spiel on it. I would love to get your thoughts on this. What do you make of these conflicting reports? You know, I know a lot of listeners are American Conference fans. Like, what? I mean, even those of you that are in fan bases that are so desperate to get out of the AAC, like, does that still look like, does that, does that move look like it would make sense to like basically jump to a reformed mountain West in a sense, just under a different banner. Um, now again, like I said, could they absorb a we a, 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 a Southeastern wing or Southeastern, you know, pod? I, I still just, I, I like, I don't see it really. If you're an AAC team, trying to get a power five bid, you almost are better off waiting to see what happens with the ACC, right? Does Clemson, does North Carolina, does Florida State, do those teams find a way out? It's going to be tough, but anyways, I don't know. And, And look, these are just my thoughts. I'd love to get yours, even if they're, you know, different than mine, hopefully get some discussion amongst 
listeners with each other, viewers with each other down in the comments. But uh, that's it for me today, man. Thank you for watching or listening to another episode of the College Underdogs podcast. That's it for me, Trey Smith, signing off.